1 Samuel chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. Uh, I will summarize the background in chapter 1 about what Hannah went through and then what Hannah did because she was a good mama. She's a good mama. And uh, I want to tell you something. Don't under, ever, ever underestimate your calling and your ministry of mom. It's a high calling. And I want to tell you something. You might not think you're getting through, mama, but one day they'll remember mama's prayers. One day they'll respond to mama's testimony. So be the best mama you can be. And by the way, if you're not saved, you can't be a good mama. You'll be selfish like all of us was before we were saved. And you'll be self-centered like all of us was before we were saved. But if you get saved, sanctified and thrilled and satisfied with the Word of God, uh, you can pour your life out into someone else. And what a blessing it is. Let's stay in awe of the Word of God. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And I don't know if I'll even get to this prayer, but uh, this is the prayer of Hannah. And I want you to notice her viewpoint, her viewpoint of God. She'd been through a rough time. She lived in a day that uh, they permitted polygamy. How many, how many of y'all like to have two wives? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but uh, uh, one's enough. Say amen. amen. Praise God. I'll, I'll say that positively. Amen. One's enough. And, uh, um, uh, but they, she, there was two wives in this situation. Uh, and the other one made fun of her for not being able to have a baby. And I mean, just persecuted her. And she, she was bitter in verse 10 of chapter 1, but she prayed, and God blessed. And I want you to see the prayer. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Mother, never get over. And Daddy, too, Get being saved. Amen. Being saved. Think about it. And there was, listen to this. There is none holy as the Lord, for there's none besides thee, neither there is any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogance come out of thy mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. See, God's got your number, and he knows about your home. It says, And the bow of thy mighty men are broken, and they that stumble are girded with strength. She's praying now. And they that are full have hired out themselves for bread, and they were a hunger cease, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she hath many children, is wax feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and he lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust, lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princesses and to make them inherit to the throne of glory for the pillar of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints. What faith of this mama. And the wicked shall be silenced in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them, and the Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his kings and exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah said to Ramoth to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli 
the priest. I want you to see the word, and the child did minister unto the Lord. I've had to put that to practice preaching to an empty auditorium. It's, folks, I need to preach to the Lord, not just to the crowd. I need to preach for his applause, not your applause. I need to preach for his response, not your response. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's a great day when your children minister and live and serve the living God. It's a great day. And that's what I want to preach on, how to raise a godly child. How to raise a godly child. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for this sweet time we've had together. Uh, Lord, I, I love to hear the laughs and the joy. Lord, it might be muffled by a mass, but it's not muffled by the Spirit of God that has flowed from one heart to another. God, we can't touch each other, but Lord, we can touch each other spiritually and emotionally and encourage one another. And God, I thank you for homes that do just that. So Lord, help us never to have our Christianity rise any higher than our level of Christianity in the home. God, may our altar be at home. God, may our true Christian disposition come out around the breakfast table, not just the Lord's supper table. God, may we not pump it up, but God, may we every day of our life worship you in a home led by a godly daddy and led by a godly mama. And we pray that you'd bless these moms on this special day. We come to honor them, but more important, we come to honor you that makes them good mothers. And we'll thank and praise you for challenging their hearts and challenging all our hearts. Maybe there's some here that do not have children. They're teenagers. They're not married yet. God, they can be leaders to other small children. They can be leaders. They can be Sunday school teachers. They can be bus captains. They can, they can uh, serve God anyway. And so, Lord, please bless them. And God bless every heart that's grieving today because mom's not with them. But, Lord, we pray, dear God, that very soon the rapture will take place and we'll all be together. Well, thank you for that. Bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to read the whole chapter of 1 Samuel. You know the story. There's two wives in the home. That's never God's will. That He permitted polygamy. He never ordained polygamy. I believe it ought to be one wife, one husband for a lifetime. Amen. And I believe it ought to be a husband and a wife. Amen. Uh, what a perverted day we live in that, that we can rearrange God's plan for marriage and say, say it's uh, two men and two ladies. And you know what's so sad today is they're allowed to adopt children in the state of Georgia and all around the nation. I think that's about the sickest thing that I've ever heard. I know uh, the government's listening now, and they might not like this message, but I want to tell you this, friend, God doesn't like it either, that, that, that we're so perverted that we try to rearrange what's called marriage. We try to rearrange what's called raising children. But this dear lady could not have a baby, and she was grieved, and she was bitter, but she was tormented. And then the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 1, and, and she was bitter and sold and prayed unto the Lord and, and, and wept sore. Now sometimes you'll speak to ladies, and they might say in a conversation, what do you do for a living? And they'll say, well, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a mother. And I believe that that is underestimating the great call to be a mama. And I want you to know, friend, that uh, as the saying says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I don't believe you ought to ever apologize for being a mama. I don't believe you ought to apologize to be, be one that stays at home 
and raises her children in the uh, admonition of the Lord. You know, the word Hannah uh, is a, a gracious word. It means gracious. And if your uh, name is Ann or Anna, that comes from Hannah. You ought to be honored uh, uh, for that name because it means gracious. And Hannah was a maximum mom. She was a gracious person. She was being persecuted by this other woman, this other quote-unquote wife. And uh, she was going through a terrible time, but she lived up to her name, and she was gracious. And I will give you several things that made Hannah a great mother. Number one, the instinct that God put in her heart, the power of priority. I want you to look at verse 10. It says that she was, she was, she was in bitterness of soul. Now, why was she bitter? I'll tell you why she's bitter because she wanted a baby. And uh, she, uh, she was not bitter in that she was mad because this prayer uh, uh, prays that God's still on the throne and God's will is always best. Uh, but I want to tell you something, she was broken. And they, she, some people look at a child as a burden instead of a blessing. Uh, there's something else drastically wrong in this United States of America. And I might as well just say it on Mother's Day, whether you like it or not is when, uh, when babies are killed in their mother's womb. Amen? I believe the safest place a child should have in the world is in a womb in the United States of America, the civilized country of America. Don't you? Amen? But I want to tell you something. It's almost become the most dangerous place that a child could be. And it's sad. It's sad that there's so many babies that are being slaughtered on the altar of, of career and self-centeredness. And I, I preached this hard, and one time I preached it, and a lady rebuked me in the hallway and said, hey, listen, I don't think you ought to uh, preach that, and I don't think you ought to put in a bulletin. And I looked at her, and I said, ma'am, just because you had one don't mean that I ha can't warn the next generation. And I pled with her, there's forgiveness after abortion. God will forgive you, but don't tell me how to preach or what to preach because, friend, I'm going to tell you something. We have a whole political movement that endorses abortion, that endorses same-sex marriage. And, folks, we're living in a perilous time, but we can still be gracious. We can be like Hannah and still pray, and we can still exhort, and we can still encourage. And, folks, I want to tell you something. Children are a blessing. Can somebody say amen? Children are a blessing. Um, uh, our house was so full of them yesterday, uh, it, was, it, was, it was almost too noisy. It was just, you know, just, you know, it was just, boy, it was loud. Pray God. I said, is anybody going to calm down? And then when I got them the food, they, 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 it calmed down a little bit. But it was loud. Miss Mimi and I are not used to that. We're empty nesters, and we're sitting there in some little house of, of quietness. And you know something? It was delightful. Amen? It was delightful. And I want to tell you something, friend. Um, Children sometimes, uh, the, the philosophy is that children will make a rich man poor. But I want to tell you something, uh, children will make a poor man rich. Because a rich man can, can't take his money to heaven. But I know that I got four children that's going to heaven. I'm taking them with me. Amen. Uh, and uh, I want to tell you something, folks. She had an instinct. She had a power of priority. She wanted a child. And folks, when she had a child, she took care of those ch children. And today in this age, we have a lot of homes where mamas don't have time for their children. 
Folks, we ought to make time for our children. There ought to be a holy priority of your home. I love preaching on the home. I appreciate what you said in your prayer letter, Brother Kevin. I just read it this morning. Uh, you know, that you know these couples retreats are real to me. Uh, going to other churches and preaching on the family, it's real to me. Because I know the only hope for revival is we start in the home. And Mother, you're the spirit of the home. Uh, you, the Bible says that there's a law of the mother in the home. And folks, you make a difference, but it needs to be your priority as it was in Hannah. She was bitter uh, of soul. Uh, deep down in her heart, uh, she longed for a child. And I want to say this, friend. You ought to long to see your children do something for God. Amen? Not that, and folks, he became a prophet. Samuel became one of the greatest prophets that ever walked this earth. And folks, uh, we need to understand there ought to be a power of priority. Our homes should come first after the Lord. Now, don't give me this excuse that you got to stay home and have family time. I'm talking about this time. And you don't have time for the home. You got time for Little League, don't you? You got time for basketball, don't you? You got time for sports, don't you? You got time to make money, don't you? Well, I want to tell you something. We need to make time for our children, Mama. And I want to tell you something. There was an instinct there. I want to tell you something. There's something wrong when a, a little girl wants to play with tractors and cars all the time. What does a little girl always want? A dolly. A doll. Amen? The other day I was shocked. Uh, Miss uh, uh, Mimi went up to some place and, and they adopted these dolls. And when I got the bill, I said, glory to God, was it a real baby? You know, and, uh, and, you know, uh, what's it called? I don't know what it's called. Uh, you know, where is it? Cabbage Patch Doll. Hallelujah. You know, the fat, round-faced doll. You know, and I said, man, they ought to have been full of cabbage or something. But, it, you know, and, and man, they, and they, they come back, and every one of them had one. All the grandchildren had one. And, you know, that was a blessing. I'm glad they didn't want a tractor. I'm glad they didn't want a truck. And I want to tell you something, friend. The only reason these girls want to be boys is because they got warped parents. Amen? Don't let them walk like a sissy. Daddy, don't, don't, let them be baby girls and let them love. There's an instinct for a child. They just want a baby. That's exactly what, what Hannah was praying for. Heartbroken. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to be heartbroken that souls in our family and our, our care would do something for God because I'm going to tell you what will break your heart more than anything is all they want to live is for the world and sin and for themselves. And their marriages fall apart and it's just turmoil. And some of you moms been through this and don't blame yourself because I'm going to tell you something. Adam and Eve had a perfect father and they didn't turn out too good until they got saved. Amen? But I want to say this, friend. There is no excuse to having any other priority than your home besides the Lord. Amen? And I don't believe you ought to make your wife a, orf, a, a, a widow because you want to serve God. I don't believe you ought to make your children orphans uh, because you want to serve God. You ought to take them on the mission field with you and you ought to involve them in the ministry. Folks, there ought to be a priority of the home. Number two, I see a motherly intercession, the power of prayer. First of all, the, the motherly instinct, the power of priority. But I see second of all, the power of prayer. Look at verse 10, the last half, and it says, And prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. 
and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. You know, it's amazing to me that all through the Bible you'll see these ladies praying unto the Lord for children. Sarah was 90 years old and she had Isaac. Rachel, she said, give me a child or I'll die. Praise God, Joseph, who delivered the nation of Israel. Manoah, uh, his wife, uh, was praying by faith and had Samson. Ruth was childless, childless and, and was even a widow. And she gave birth to Obed, and Obed was the grandfather of King David. And you know that's the lineage of the Savior. Elizabeth prayed, and uh, God gave her John the Baptist. So, folks, I want to tell you something. Before there was a John the Baptist, there was Elizabeth. And I want you to know, friend, you are a very important integral in this society. You, moms, you are very important. But I want to tell you something. The most important thing you could do and the best thing you could ever do is become a praying mama. How horrible it is that some children never hear the prayers of mama. We need more people who are born and bathe out of prayer every day. I know my dear wife prayed over our children every day, Colossians chapter 1, about being fruitful, spirit-filled. She prayed that they'd turn out right, that they would marry right. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. Every one of them married right, except Amy. No, every one of them did. Every one of them. Miss Burdell's going to throw something at me. I mean, every one of them's got great wives or husbands. And I'm so thankful. I was noticing yesterday how close they are to each other. I'm talking about husband and wife enjoying each other's presence and loving each other. It break my heart to think that Mark would walk off and leave Amy in the sunset. And I'd break him too. But, it, it, but you know, it'd break my heart if Trent just said, I'm tired of Stephanie. It'd break my heart if, if uh, one of the best couples in this church broke up, Jason and Rebecca. And I say that proudly. It'd break my heart if Stephen and Stephanie... Uh, uh, just separated. Folks, some of y'all been through that. And so we need to pray. We need to pray. What's the results of the prayer? Turn to J chapter 3, verse 19 real quick. Chapter 3, verse 19. The Bible says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and, and, did, and it said, Did let none of his words fall to the ground. Now look at verse 20. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. It's God's holy will that he be the prophet of the Lord. But where did that start? It started in a prayer, heart of prayer in a mama. It started in a heart of prayer in a, in a lady named Hannah. And folks, I want you to see third of all, uh, not only was there a mother that had intercession and, um, and prayer that uh, made a difference and uh, it was um, uh, the power of priority and it had the power of prayer. But I see third of all that the mother's intention, and that was the power of purpose. Look at verse 11. Why did she pray for a child? Why did she want to be a good mama? This is why you ought to be a, want to be a good mother. Not so you can have someone to take care of you when you're old. Not so, someone that can uh, make a lot of money and take care of you when you're broke. But folks, here's the reason that you ought to pray for your children. It says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord God of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the afflictions of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto me a, a, 
thy handmaid a man child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Why does she want a child? Hannah made a vow that when Samuel was born, that he'd give, she'd give him back to the Lord. And every mother ought to do that. You ought to give your child back to the Lord. She wanted that child to glorify God. The principle is clear. We should count every child as a gift from God, lent from God, to give back to God. Folks, listen, Hannah was saying, I give him back <coughs> to be a Nazarite. Numbers chapter 6, verse 5. And folks, she prayed <coughs> that God would use this man of God, this man-child, for the glory of God. And folks, listen, we need to have that purpose. What is your purpose for your child? For health? I think that's good to pray that. Success? Everybody wants their child to be rich and successful. Hey, how about popularity? Fame? Wealth? Maybe that's why parents push their kids in sports. Somebody They want them to be very famous. They want them to be very wealthy. <clears throat> but I want to tell you something, friend. If you have a brilliant son... And he surrenders to be an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist preacher that is not a catastrophe. I think it's a blessing. Some would think, well, listen, that's a waste of his brilliancy. That's a waste of his education. That's a waste of his time. I'll never forget <clears throat> when I surrendered to preach, uh, my daddy looked at me. He was in the service that night, thank God. And he said, are you sure? And I don't think the angels in heaven were sure, and I believe the flag was hung at half-mast, and because I was the shyest person, I didn't speak to my sister. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm sure or not, but I know uh, God's called me, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And I'll never forget my mother coming down praying with me and weeping on the way home. She was weeping, and she was so thankful. And she was praying that God would raise up a preacher to reach her alcoholic husband. Little did we know it would be me. But I want to tell you something. My prayer, my, 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 my sermons did not reach him. It was, a, it was a wife's love. It was a mother's love. And folks, I want to tell you something. I believe with all my heart, my parents were shocked when I came to Dalton to start this church. Matter of fact, my daddy said, did not we send you through business school? I said, yes, sir. He said, did not we help pay for that? I said, yes, sir. He said, and you think God's called you to come to Dalton and start a church? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, I don't understand that, but I'll back you up. And he did. And I'll never forget, we had dinner on the grounds when there was no building here. And I remember him uh, having the dinner on the grounds with these little spools of, uh, that we got. They're big ones, really, from the power company up here. And we, that was our tables. And, I remember mom and daddy back there and, and, and saying, boy, I hope this goes. I hope this is what God wants. And they never disapproved, but they didn't understand. And maybe your child will surrender the mission field. And I mean, some guy will take your daughter 7,000 miles away. And um, 
take, take her first to South America and then to South Africa. Lord only knows what's next. But uh, you say, oh, no, that's a tragedy. My little girl, you know, I want her near me, and I want her uh, to have all the fellowship and all the Christmases and all the uh, holidays together, and <clears throat> I definitely want her to be here for Mama's birthday. Would that be a tragedy? No, I don't think so. See, folks, sometimes we pray amiss and our prayers are not answered. We need to pray for our children to have the privilege of glorifying God. I want to close with a verse in 3 John, verse 4. 3 John, verse 4. That's right before 2 John if you have trouble finding it. 3 John, chapter 4. The Bible says this. <clears throat> I want you to listen very closely. I'm about finished. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy. I want to tell you something, Mom. You'll make a difference. You'll make a difference. You can make a difference by living for yourself or living in sin. Or you can live for God. There's no greater joy that my children walk in truth. To walk in truth and much less to spread the truth around the world. Folks, the mother's intention and priority, coupled with intense prayer, will make a world of difference. Her intensity, her persistence, not just one little prayer. The Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, it says, And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, and, Leah, and Eli marked her mouth. She was saying something, but it wasn't, nothing was coming out. I'm sure it was drenched with tears. Look at this now. It says in verse 13, <clears throat> Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. She was so moved and so stirred and so intense in her prayer life that Eli thought she was drunk. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. We get emotional about everything in the world. <clears throat> we get emotional about some guy smashing somebody's head in on those fights where they use those little gloves, you know, and kick each other, and throw each other against the wire fence. Luke likes that stuff, boy. And, you know, they're drenching with blood. They have to carry them out. Well, we get all intense about that. You know, we get intense about the Braves. We get intense about the Falcons. We get intense about the dogs and the volunteers and the Gators or whoever you root for. We get intense. I think that's fine. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to be intense in our prayer for our children. We're in a warfare. If you only knew the traps the devil has set for you and your children, if you only knew, I mean, folks, it's not even safe to put your child's picture on the Facebook. There's so many predators looking at your children, stalking them. Facebook stalkers. It's real. Uh, molesters, child abductors, kidnappers. It's a wicked day we live in. Hannah lived in a wicked day. The other wife was making fun of her. The other wife was tormenting her. And folks, it's a warfare. And folks, I want to tell you something. The only way that we can savage the future of our children is intensely pray the prayer that's militant saying, Dear God, I give them to you. Dear God, protect them. Dear God, put a hedge around them. Dear God, let them marry right. 
Dear Lord, help them uh, to stay right. Dear Lord, help them not to go off to college like most people go off to college, Miguel, and find the wrong crowd. Amen? I don't care if you're running scholarship, soccer, or whatever, uh, friend, I'm going to tell you something. There's a crowd like vultures in every college, in every high school. Last time I checked, the high schools aren't on nursery grounds. There's a lot of wicked people with a lot of wicked things going on. But I want to tell you something. A mother's prayer and a daddy's prayer can beat the devil off their back. We need to be intense in our prayer. prayer, prayer. We need to be intense in our priorities. We need to be intense. And then last but not least, a mother's influence and the power of persuasion. I want you to look at verse 21 and 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, And the man and all the house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. And Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I'll bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Now, folks, that's quite a sacrifice. Say amen. How would you like to just give your children to, to the work of God and just never see them again except once a year? And so when they went up there, she said, I'm not going to go up there until he's winged, until there's three or four years old. Then I'll bring him there and I'll leave him. You know, that shows one thing, that there is a very big power in the formative years of a child's life. The first four through, one through seven years usually sets the attitude and the disposition of a child. And some people never see their children for the first seven years of their marriage. They're too busy working, too busy in their career. And folks, I want you to know we need to pay the price to mold those little children. Stephanie's got a precious little baby that's in her care now, and his name just slipped me, Silas, Silas. And yesterday I was holding that little baby and, and he was laughing. You ever, you, you know, you do some crazy things to make a baby laugh. I was, you know, clicking, clacking, you know, doing everything I could. And that baby just laughs naturally and just, just almost giggles when you do something like, or something, you know, that's Kosa for wake up baby. But, uh, you know, and uh, just, just, you know, just, it's amazing. Tyler's not even married yet and wants that baby, you know. Be an early uh, marriage gift, amen. But anyway, and I thought to myself, that baby's mother won't even go to court and fight for it. That may, baby's mother is an addict. That baby's mother could care less about that baby or she'd straighten up and get saved and get right. And here's a little baby. I hope she has him four years, if they can stand it. And, uh, and, and he's smiling at everything. He's laughing at everything. Isn't it the truth? Am I just preaching? I mean, he's just smiling. He just giggles and just, he's laughed. And then one kid will grab him and take him off in one direction, and another kid will take him off and take him another direction. And his little head's just a bobbing. And he's just, he's just enjoying every minute of it. Glory. And so, folks, listen, the first four years is critical in that little boy's life. But wonder if he lived in a home where he was thrown in the corner and abused not loved, not even cared for, not even wanted. I want to tell you something. It'll make a world of difference in the first years, and this is the Bible principle. 
This is the Bible principle. And so, folks, in closing, we have a mother's instinct. That's the power of priority. We have a mother's intercession. That's the power of prayer. We have the mother's intentions. That's the power of purpose. There's a purpose for every child, and that child is to live for God's glory, not for them, their success, not for their fame, not for their relaxation, and not for you to have some trophy that you can brag about your child. It's good to be able to brag about your child. It's better than weeping about your child and being ashamed of what your child's in. And thank God for your children. You are making your parents so proud by living for God and putting God first. No greater joy. There's no greater joy. And so it's obvious that there's no cheap way to raise a child. You can't be lazy. But to raise a godly child, there must be a godly priority. There needs to be a godly power. And there needs to be a godly purpose. And that purpose is the glory of God. Oh, folks, listen. What's the results? It was obvious in Hannah's results that she begins to pray in chapter 2. And folks, it's a prayer of praising God and lifting Him up and, and honoring Him. And then uh, uh, he becomes a prophet. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, would you turn there with me and uh, look at verse 19. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and, and, he let, and, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And then it goes on to say, and, and, and he was a prophet of the Lord through all the, all, area, all the whole area. And folks, he began, where did this begin? It began in God's heart. It began in God's heart. Look at chapter 2 and verse 18. The Bible says, And Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with linen ephod. Chapter 2, verse 19. You with me? And moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. And when she came up with her husband to offer a yearly sacrifice, and Eli blessed Cana and his wife and said, The Lord give thee the seed of the woman for the loan which he lent to the Lord. And they went in their own house. And the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child, uh, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Here's the key. And the, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they laid with women that assembled at the door in the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said to them, Why do you do these things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear you make the Lord's people to transgress. Here's the priest saying, Hey, listen. Samuel is a prophet of God, but my kids are disgracing God and laying with women in the temple. And look at this. It says in verse 25, And if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slain them. And then the last verse, And the child Samuel grew on. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Here's the testimony. The priest's children were disgracing him and causing many to sin. But the Bible says Samuel grew on. Now, where did that start? It started in the heart of a mother. Don't ever apologize 
for being a housekeeper. Matter of fact, a home builder is the greatest career you could ever have. To protect your children and help your children multiply your effect. And folks, the influence will be phenomenal. Abraham Lincoln said this, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be I owe to my angel mother. George Bush said this, he said, you look, uh, you look at my mother and I have a conviction that if she's not in heaven, there is no heaven. Augustine, the great theologian, said this uh, about his mother, that his mother prayed him into the kingdom of God. John Wesley and Charles Wesley, one of 17 children, praised their mother, Susanna, and they were the, they were the uh, fathers of Methodism, but it was an old-fashioned Methodism. Billy Graham said this, the most beautiful woman I've ever known is my precious mother. She instilled in me the love for the Bible, and even when I didn't seem interested and I thought it was all boring, she took me to church, she molded and taught me to live, and her testimony of the last days of her life gave me insight on how to die. What a testimony. But I want to give you a negative testimony in closing. A certain boy's mother was very a very dominating person. She was a very selfish person. And left to your, yourself, moms, you can be that way, and dads. The problem, uh, she married three times. Her second husband divorced her. The problem was abuse, and it was her abusing her husband. This child never knew any love and never knew any discipline, any discipline. That mother said to that child, don't call me when I'm at work. I don't want you to pester me. And now the boy had a good IQ, but he dropped out of high school. He joined the Marines. And he got kicked out of there with a dishonorable discharge. He had no skills. He had not been helped by his mother. He'd never been encouraged by her, never uh, been loved by his mama. There wasn't anything he could, couldn't do seemingly, but... Uh, it's, uh, it seemed that he could do right. He couldn't even get a driver's license. I let my granddaughter drive me to church this morning. I didn't even need to pray when I got here. I was so close to God. But anyway, uh, and he traveled to a foreign country and met a woman over there and married that woman. After a while, she got sick of him and left. And he begged her to come back. And the only, the only thing that he knew was from the Marines and all his things was how to shoot a rifle. And one day, day he decided he'd use that talent. And on November 22nd, 1963, from a book storage building in Dallas, Texas, Lee Harvey Oswell shot the President of the United States, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And maybe at last, he was getting the attention that he wanted. Since a child, all he wanted was attention. He wanted to be loved. And he got that attention that he always wanted when he shot our president. Oh, the power of a godly mother. The power of priority. The power of prayer. The power of purpose. And the power of persuasion. Your testimony, your testimony will make an indelible impression on your child. I was figuring it up the other day. I think I've preached 9,000 or taught, taught and preached over 9,000 messages in these buildings. A Sunday school teacher, his preacher, 
you've been there through all of them, Brother Howard Turner. You know what I'm talking about. No. And uh, I preached a lot of messages, over 9,000. 9,000. That's a lot of messages. And, and this, this is the, one of the most difficult ones, seeing y'all in mass, not knowing whether y'all are smiling or frowning. But 9,000. But I want to say this. I don't know how much my children got out of my 9,000 messages. But I know this one thing. I know this one thing. That they got a whole lot out of mama's testimony. And mama's response. And mama's submission to come to this town not knowing a soul in a cattle truck. And they, they probably got more out of mama's prayer life and mama's testimony than all 9,000 sermons put together. I know there's power in the word, but I want to tell you something. A bad pastor's wife can counsel every message by her attitude. And so I thank God and I call her blessed because, friend, I get a lot of credit for my four children wanting to serve God and be in the ministry, being right with God. My own assistant pastor for the last 20 years, my son. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't the 9,000 messages. It was the message of a good mama that stood by her man, that loved and encouraged him every time I wanted to quit and raised her children and prayed over her children every day. Mama, you can make a difference. You can raise a Samuel or you can raise a Lee Harvey Oswald. It's your choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the admonition, the challenge. I think we got some of the best mamas in the world in this church. I see their faithfulness I see their intensity. I see their instinct to, to their children. I see their priority. I see, dear God, their heart for their children. And I'm thankful for that. And I pray, dear God, that we'd realize that what is a profit of man if he gained the whole world and loses his family? And God, I pray that those who are listening by way of Internet or those who are listening here would realize that their greatest ministry is their home. And God, we don't want to lose our children. We're in a warfare. Lord, there's an all-out assault against this generation to pervert the Word of God and to turn from the Word of God. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name and for your glory that you'd help these moms to have the proper priority of giving their children back to you for your glory. And Lord, you can do a whole lot more with them than they can. And you sure can protect them and guide them in the precious will of God better than even a godly mother. So Lord, Holy Spirit, flow through Mama this morning. Fill her to overflowing. And help her be, dear God, the mom that you called her to be. And we'll praise you on this Mother's Day that you'll get the honor, that you'll get the glory that you'll get the praise through Mama yielding more of her life to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone in here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved? You have no hope of building a home without God because God created male and female, and you're, you're to be one to glorify Him. God gave you children. 
for one reason, not for to make you famous or them famous, not to be rich and be satisfied and enjoy life. And that's all good, but folks, he gave you children to glorify God. And you'd say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure would like to be. Would you slip your hand up so we can pray for you? Now, you can get saved during this pandemic. Matter of fact, if I wasn't saved, I'd run to the altar. You never know when you're going to die. You didn't before this, you won't, you won't after this. Anyone? How many say, preacher, I'm saved? Let me give this to the moms first. It's your day. I'm saved. I know I'm a mama. By the grace of God, I want to be the best mama I can be, but I just want to yield more of my life to the Spirit of God to pour my life into my children. That when I die, I'll live on through them and their testimony for, for God's glory. I want you to pray for me, preacher. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer for your influence on your children all over this place? God bless you, ladies. God bless you. God bless you. And you men, you ought to support them, but you ought to lead them. You ought to guide them. You ought to protect them. You ought to beat the devil off your wives' back by being the man of God that you ought to be. You ought to be a united front because children are always looking for division so they can take advantage of it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the message. <clears throat> it's probably been one of the hardest messages I've ever preached because I really didn't want to preach it. <clears throat> but God, you told me to, and I had to. But God, I pray it's been a help. I pray it's been a blessing. I pray it's been a challenge. God, I pray that when they go home that moms will stay in the Word and stay in prayer and stay focused on what you gave that child to them for, and that was your glory. They will give your, their child back to you. Pray for your will to be done, for you to be glorified through their life. Well, thank you in Jesus' name.